Folks, we are going to spend a little bit of time uh, finishing up a series that we call From Setbacks to Comebacks. So we started it a, a few weeks ago, and we're going to wrap it up today. And we've been looking at kind of a, a characters who experience comebacks, and they're all through the Bible. Uh, we, we looked at Job. Micah spoke about Job and what a comeback that he went through, uh, the the what's necessary in comebacks, gratitude and perseverance and persistence. Uh, we learned about that over the last couple of weeks. And now today we, we come to just a beloved character who time after time, his life seemed like it was destroyed and it, that he was just emptied of all hope and God kept on bringing him back. I think he was the comeback kid. I think he was. His name's Joseph. But uh, when we're talking about comebacks, I can't help but think that, that uh, a, a, about a comeback requires, next slide there, thank you. A comeback requires that uh, we have had to be somewhere. And, and, and so it reminds me of our mission. It reminds me of our purpose. It reminds me of our why. And our why statement is to lead people to Jesus so they can have changed lives. And that change is about the comeback, Right? That where we were is not where God left us, and it's not where we are now. God brings us back. He resurrects us. He, he, he rescues us. He delivers us. Changed lives are what it's all about. And so I wanted to, to remind you of that today, because that's why we exist, to lead people to Jesus who can change people's lives. He's the one that creates the comebacks. I think I figured out now, this is not you. This is me. Nice when this is turned on. Right, Glenn? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, there we go. That's working a lot better. And by the way, welcome to those of you who might be joining us on Facebook Live uh, today. We're, we're doing that today just for some people that might not be able to make it today. But uh, again, the heart of that comeback is, is what I wanted to speak about. Reminding you, again, right? Changed lives. So whether it's from addiction or whether it's maybe from a sickness of the body, or maybe it's when you've been going through a mental health struggle, or maybe it's a financial hardship like we prayed about just a few moments ago, or maybe it's a relationship dysfunction. You're in the setback, and you're praying to God for that comeback. This message is for you today. And it's a recognition, this whole series has been a recognition that life can be incredibly difficult, can it? And when life is incredibly difficult, and the pressure is on, how are you going to respond to that? And uh, th there are a lot of different reactions that you and I can have. Um, I want you to think about, maybe you said this uh, to yourself at one point or another. Oh, I think I missed that. Uh, we'll see that in just a moment. I'm going to flip right through. Have you said the, any of these things to yourself? For example, have you said, I'm tired of this? Right? And have you said, whatever it is that I'm going through, it's not worth it. Whatever path that I'm on, whatever remedy that I'm trying, may even be your faith in Jesus. That it's like, okay, you know, God, I believed in you and I'm going through the struggle right now. And it's like, is my faith even worth it? Have you ever gotten to that point in your life? Or have you ever said to yourself that I literally can't do this. I just might as well give up. We're talking about moments like that. These are moments when the pressure's on and you're wondering, how am I going to respond 
to the setback that's going on in my life. Everyone loves a comeback, don't they? Everybody loves a comeback. But what's the secret to getting through to the other side? You know, we love to hear the story about when it's all over and you've come through to the other side. But how do you get through to the other side? And uh, that's where the story of a guy named Joseph. And so I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, or if you have your uh, maybe your version app, you can take a look at Genesis chapter 39. And in Genesis chapter 39, there is the story of Joseph. Now, uh, let me recap this a little bit, because Genesis 39 is partway through the story. And you need to know that Joseph had a dad, and his name was Jacob. And uh, Jacob had 12 sons. And Jacob comes from a family line of dysfunction, okay? If you take a look at his relationship with his brother, this was a dysfunctional family. Jacob and his brother had this rivalry, this hatred, this animosity towards each other. And isn't it really quite telling, and isn't it quite true to life, like the Bible always is, that that dysfunction gets passed on to the next generation? And so you see it because Jacob had 12 sons, And Jacob didn't really know how to be a good dad. And he didn't know how to treat his sons with the equal amount of love that they all deserved. And so he showed favoritism to Joseph. And you know what that does to families, right? Just like rips it right apart. And there were these sheer forces in their family. And Joseph bore the brunt of it because he was the youngest. And he was like the gift that Jacob had in his old, older age. And Joseph was hated by his brothers. They were jealous of him. And in that dysfunction, they decided to do something about it. They betrayed him. And in the midst of that betrayal, they they envisioned killing him and, and, uh, and making it look like an accident. But they let their better judgment, it was kind of sick, but still better judgment say, no, 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 let's, let's not kill him. Let's sell him to these traders that are coming by in this trade route. And they sold him into slavery. And I think they were thinking that Actually, they weren't trying to let him off. I think they were thinking that that would be a fate worse than death. It's like we get to punish him for the rest of his life because he's going to be a slave in a foreign country. And, And so where we pick up the story is where he has been sold to the leader of the prison guards, Potiphar. And Potiphar, he he puts Joseph in charge of of his household because everything that Joseph touches prospers and he gets put in charge of the whole household in a trusted position and of course he caught Potiphar's eye he caught everybody's eye because of just the way he was and the way that he looked and he caught the eye the story says of Potiphar's wife and she acted on that she tried to seduce Joseph And Joseph, wisely, and with God's strength, and with his convictions, he ran away. But she accused him of trying to rape her. And, of course, he was a slave. His story was not to be believed. And so what happened was, instead of just putting him to death, what happens is, he gets put into prison. And uh, here's what, where the story picks up. So Genesis chapter 39, beginning at verse 19. It says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Now I want you to live in that just for a moment. There he remained. That means that he wasn't in for like weekends. You know, until he paid his debt. 
He was in for, like, I take that to mean he was in there for a long time. He was withering in that place. He was rotting in that prison. There he remained. And here's what it says. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, and he showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Remember, just like with Potiphar. It's a recurring story of his life. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Joseph, the comeback kid. But, but I want you to consider a few things as we try to unpack that story. I want you to think for a moment. How must Joseph have felt when he was betrayed by his brothers? Like, what would be Joseph's emotional state when he was sold into slavery and whisked off to a place that he had never seen before? What do you think his sense of injustice and fairness must have been like when he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife? And how lonely and how, how rejected he must have felt when he was languishing in prison. See, a lot of the times we take a look at, at uh, these stories in the Bible and these saints look, you know, kind of pristine and untouched and like, oh, wow, you know, it really didn't bother them. But you put yourself in any part of Joseph's story and you are going to be beat down. You're going to be thinking about some of these, uh, some of these statements. You're, you're going to be thinking like, I'm tired of this. Why does this keep happening to me? Where is God in all of this? And it's not worth it. Why do I keep on trying? I might as well give up. Right? And I think that we understand, I think you do understand, Joseph's life and the frustrations that he must have faced. But, you know, I think he's the comeback king. Right? Because over and over again, Joseph keeps rising up when he's repeatedly knocked down over and over again. He keeps rising up. He keeps moving forward. And I keep wondering, what is it that prevented him from giving up? Because, like, put yourself in those shoes. Like, I think I would have given up. As Micah shared, you know, Joseph, not Joseph, Job, his friends told him to curse God and die. I think that Joseph would have felt that way. You would think. But he kept moving forward. He kept trying to honor God in the midst of his situation. And it, it makes me wonder about myself. I, I wonder how would you answer the question, how do you respond to pressure in your own life? In other words, when you get seriously, seriously sick, okay, that diagnosis from the doctor that you never wanted, that it, it just, it crip, will it cripple you? And will it cause you to retreat and to give up? And are you going to get taken out of the game? Will you keep moving forward when you're sinking under debt? Or will you retreat and hide and give up? What are you going to choose when life disappoints you? That's what was in front of Joseph. That's in front of you all the time. What are you going to do when life disappoints you? And uh, what is it, I wonder, that kept Joseph moving forward? There's a word. Uh, you've heard it before. You've heard me say it before. I like this word. Uh, this word's called grit. He had grit. Right? That doesn't sound like a very spiritual word. But I think if you learn today about the, the, the whole of God's story with his people, 
God puts grit in people's lives. And let's unpack that for a moment. What is, what is grit? It's about how much fight is in you. Now, I know, like I'm not a fighter, right? But the Bible talks about circumstances and discouragement and, and, and pressure. You got to fight against it. Are you a fighter? How much of a fighter you, you are is how much grit that you have. Uh, there's, a, there's a song by Bruce Colburn, you know, that famous Canadian artist. And uh, in one of his songs, there's this, this line. Uh, and it says, got to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. That's grit. Kicking at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. Grit is about how you respond to life's pressures. Grit is about having an undefeatable spirit. It's about having ferocious determination. It, it's where you say, I just keep on fighting. That is grit. I'm not going to give up. Like it says in Joshua chapter 1, it talks about being be strong and courageous. It takes courage to have grit and to keep moving forward through disappointment. Now, uh, you know, today, I, when I think about comebacks, I think about bouncing back, right? So this is really simple. This is not earth-shattering today. But, uh, you know, there's always lots of balls around whenever there are youth around, right? But, you know, it's about coming back. It's about coming back. I, I love, you know, it's the very basis of most sports, right? Ball filled with air, bounces back. And that's what grit is. It means that, that you are, you sink to the ground, you're pushed down, gravity, the gravity of your pressure, it takes you to the ground and it takes you to your knees, but you keep rising back up again. Joseph, he was a comeback kid over and over again. And that's what happens to you. With God's help, when you have grit, you get down, you get back up again, right? Uh, of course, uh, I couldn't help but find in every, uh, in every little church gym, uh, there's always balls like this too. What happens when there's not much air in a ball? Yeah, that's quite a difference, isn't it, right? You know? And I think that's the way a lot of us feel. But how can, how can we have more grit so that, you know, we bounce back again? And that's what we're talking about today. And it's beautiful to have the, the witness and the example of Joseph to get us there. Uh, th there's a passage in the Bible that's a, a good fighting passage. It's about grit. And it says this in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9. You've seen this passage before. Because in this series, it's been one of those centerpieces of this series. From setbacks to comebacks. And it says this. Paul said, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, in other words, confused, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. See this, it's ferocious determination. It is an unbeatable, undefeatable spirit. That's the secret to finishing that's what it means to have grit. Um, just put it another way, I, I heard this old Japanese saying. It says, fall seven, rise eight. Do you get it, right? You fall down over and over again, but you get up one more time, then you fall down. That's grit. That's grit. How do you respond to pressure? And uh, isn't this the kind of life, isn't this the kind of response that you want to have to life's pressures. 
it reminds me that the greatest threat to your comeback isn't what's in front of you. It isn't that health scare that you've got going on in your life. The greatest threat to your comeback isn't that financial pressure that you're under. The greatest threat to your comeback isn't your dysfunctional family or dysfunctional relationship. The greatest threat to your comeback is discouragement. It's despair. It's hopelessness. That's the thing that will trip you up. That's the thing that will sink you to the ground without bouncing back again. But how do we find that grit? How do we find that? Well, let's keep moving forward. You know, again, I, I, I wonder over and over again, what was the secret to Joseph's resilience? Because that's what he had. He was, he was the comeback kid. Uh, he knew what it was like to bounce back. And I'm thinking that it just might lie in what Joseph could control and what he couldn't control. Now, he could not control the situation, right? He, he was outnumbered, what, 11 to 1 by his brothers, He could not control that he was betrayed by them and sold into slavery. He could not control his fate as a slave in Egypt when he was falsely accused. And then later on in the story where he he suffers this, this other disappointment. If you keep reading on, you'll see that while he was in prison, he had hope because God sent to him a couple of really important people, one of whom was going to be restored in the king's presence. And Joseph said, remember me when you get back into the, 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 palace, uh, the palace position that you're in. And it says that he just forgot about Joseph. For two years, he languished in prison. He was forgotten. So disappointment after dis- disappointment, Joseph couldn't control any of those things. All those things that happened to him. He was, I guess the word would be, he was helpless. When those things happened to him. But there were several things that he could control. As I was just imagining that story. As I was reading through that this week. As I was meditating on it. Here are a few things that I think that Joseph could control. And uh, the first one was this. He could control his attitude. In all of those situations. You know. That, 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 that temptation. Those things we talked about. I just want to give up. I just want to hide. I, 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 to become bitter. And pessimistic and be filled with despair. I believe that Joseph, when he was in prison, when he was a slave, all of those situations, all those dark points in his life, he said, I'm not going to let that stuff control me. I'm going to choose my attitude in this situation. Now, I, don't, I know we don't have statements that you know, says, oh, here's what Joseph's attitude was with that, but I think we can read between the lines. You can control your attitude. I've seen this countless times in many of you, and uh, I, I've seen it in many others, where you, you know, you're, you're sick, you're in the hospital, somebody gets this terrible diagnosis, and even it's going to mean the end of their life. They're, maybe they're in palliative care, but their attitude, my goodness, right? They may, be, they may be zooming toward the end of their life, but man, you couldn't tell because of their attitude. It's triumphant. It's victorious. Like, it's so inspiring. You've met people like that, haven't you, right? They can't control what's going on in their body, but they can control their attitude. So you can control your attitude. Uh, there's, There's another thing you can control that's very instructive in Joseph's story, and it's this. You can always choose what's right. You see, Joseph 
um, he was faced with the temptation in Genesis chapter 39. Potiphar's wife just came on to him, tried to seduce him. And it says that with integrity, he said, no, I can't do this. I can't betray Potiphar and I can't betray my God. Joseph chose what's right. And I'll tell you, in, in any situation where you're under pressure, like, I'm, for example, like when, when you're under financial pressure, there's always pressure to, like, you know, uh, cut corners. There's always pressure to, to do something to try to get out of it that isn't quite right. You choose what's right in every situation, even that one. In a dysfunctional relationship, right? You know other people are treating you like you should not be treated. And I think the desire is to try to get back at them, right? You've been in relationships like, with, like that. But what you, you can't control what other people are doing to you. You can't control that dysfunctional relationship. But you can control ch yourself choosing to do what's right in the midst of it. And choosing not to lash out. Choosing not to do something that, that, that dishonors your convictions and your ethics. Does that make sense? You can't control your situation all the but you can choose what's right always. And that's obeying God. And then the other thing that is so obvious as I read through Joseph's story is you can always trust. You can always trust God. And, uh, you know, you know I, I, I know uh, this story looks bright and shiny sometimes, like at every disappointment that God came through and, and, and Joseph rose to positions of trust and everything that he did and everything that he touched prospered. But I think that was because he trusted God in the midst of it. That he, he just leaned on God and he said, listen, you know, I've got a greater purpose to my life than just my own happiness, than my own success. And it seems like to me that Joseph had this single-minded devotion. He had this commitment to do what God wants. He had this commitment to God's purpose. And I think that's so true in the pressures that you're facing. Are you asking yourself, what is God's purpose for my life? You're asking those really important why questions. And, and you're, you're, you're rising above what's happening to you in these moments to say, what's my life all about anyway? That bigger picture. You know, rather than living your life by the pleasure principle, you're living it by the purpose principle. Why am I here? What makes you tick? And so again, I don't want to fill this message with platitudes, but I really do believe this. That sometimes in the midst of pressure, it, it, it's okay to ask these questions, but, but maybe they're the wrong questions. The question in the midst of that pressure is not, how much can I take? Or how hard is this for me? Or is it worth it? But the real question is, who am I? Who am I? What is my identity? What has God made me to be? That will be your north star in the midst of that pressure. And I know you know what I'm talking about. I know you've been there, but it's hard, right? Who am I? That is the most important question in the midst of all of it. And I think that you can tap into answering that question by trusting the God of this universe, who he created you to be. Just really the last word is you got to have hope. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. That's what the Bible calls it. Don't lose heart. Uh, 
the passage that we looked at just a little while ago where it says that, that we're, we're pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, that passage? Well, the secret to that is revealed in the next chapter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, where it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And I wonder if you could make that commitment with me today. Right? I, I mean, you can see the x-rays. You can see the doctor's report. But I'm not going to live by that. I'm going to live by faith and not by sight. You know, this dysfunctional relationship that's whether it is something that you see just like digitally. and So it's in front of you and you see it there. Or you see it in that person that you just, it's inescapable in your life. No, I'm going to walk by faith and I'm not going to walk by sight. You know, what, what's staring me, you know, that bank account, those bank statements and all the pressure that I have on, you know, I can see that, right? But I'm not going to live by that. I'm going to live by faith and not by sight. That's hope. That helps us not to lose heart. I think there are some things that I, I believe that you want to resolve to be able to say in the midst of the pressures. They're, they go like this. I will learn from this. As hard as it is, I'm going to learn something through this. You say to yourself, I'm going to grow. Whatever it is, it might be touching my body. It might be, uh, it, it, it might be touching my finances. It might be touching my, my health, body, soul, and spirit. But I'm going to grow because of it. I'm going to become different on the other side. I will get through. I will get through this. Be able to say, that's hope there. It's being able to say, God is with me through this. I'm not alone. I'm not abandoned. God is with me through this. And to be able to say over and over again, I will not give up. I will not give up. Setbacks are not reasons to quit. They are reasons to trust. They are reasons to have hope. They are reasons to have grit. They are reasons to have God's strength. You know what? In the end, it's not about how strong you are, and it's not even about how talented you are. It's about what you believe in. It's about who you believe in. That's what carries you through. Believe in God. Put your hope in Jesus. Let's pray. God, today, um, these we're touching upon mysteries that are just incredible, Lord. How do we get through the hard times of our life? Um, Lord, sometimes we, we get through them and don't even understand how we got through them. You've carried us through. Other times, Lord, we're filled with questions and doubts and pessimism and, and despair. But God, I pray that you would strengthen us for what we're going through right now. I pray you'd strengthen your people for what's ahead so that God, uh, that we could meet those tests uh, with hope in Jesus name. Amen. So this is the point in our worship where uh, we're going to take time for a question and answer. Maybe you have a question that comes out of this morning's message or maybe it is a thought that you'd like to share with us as well. Uh, you can text me. I left my text number up there. I think most of the, uh, the message, I, I have a text here too, but um, if you have a question live or comment, we would love to receive that as well. I've got family who would never ask a question if they thought it might go on the internet, so yeah. we've turned that part off. Good. Good. Yeah.
good. Um, well, well, let me get the uh, ball rolling. A friend, uh, a friend has texted and asked a really good question. Um, what do we say to those that don't believe and are finding it hard even to see the hope in Christ? And that's a, that's a good one. So you get that right? What do we say to those who don't believe and are finding it hard even to see the hope in Christ? Um, you know, I, I feel in a way, like I feel like we're in a, it's probably not true, but we're in a safe little bubble here where I feel that's such a freedom to be able to say these things that I say today. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think that I, I, I don't know, it, it might be an encouragement to, for somebody if you said, if they're going through something difficult and maybe there's something in this morning's message that you think that they need to hear, you could refer them to the podcast. But at the same time, it might like, Without faith in Jesus, uh, that, that question's good. It can just feel like a freight train running over you. And it can feel like guilt. It's like, well, you know, I just need to try harder sort of thing. Because I think the real key, you know, if there's one thing uh, that I think that we, the, we ended it with today is trust God, right? That is so key to put ourselves in God's hands, especially when we can't see the end of the journey to trust God in it. But can you tell people just to do that? Because it can sound like, it sounds like advice, right? I, I think the, uh, I, I have a friend who's walking with somebody who, through something just almost unimaginable. And I love the way that, that, uh, that I feel like she's put it. And that's like, I'm going to let them set the pace here. And I'm going to pray that God makes them curious about what a difference it might make that God's can be part of that situation. I'm going to answer questions when they answer when they ask them of me, and uh, just really be very sensitive and to, to to just I guess you've got to be really sensitive to the Holy Spirit uh, because it can sound so much like advice. It can sound preachy, and none of us want to do that, right? Just let me preach on Sunday morning, so you don't. No, I'm just kidding. You don't preach through the week. No, I'm just kidding, right? I'm kidding. But we don't want to be that. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, we, we talked about the story earlier in the series about Job. Job's friends were awful. Uh, but the one thing they got right was that for the first 30 days, they were quiet. Mm. Uh, they came, they visited with Job, they sat, and they, didn't, they just mourned together. So if you've got a friend going through some really tough times, it is okay to mourn with them. Uh, it is okay to grieve with them. I mean, we sometimes Jesus followers get like they talk like we're supposed to be happy all the time. Uh, and if you take a look at Scripture, there's this line: Jesus wept, right? Like it's okay to grieve and to let them set the pace. Uh, and while they're doing that, Paul talks about be ready to give the reason for the hope that we have, right? Now, that's going to be customized. It's going to look different for every single story. But when their pace gets to the point that they're ready to talk about Jesus, be ready to give a response for why you have hope, even in hard times. And how we just worship Jesus, I think, is uh, really key to when somebody is ready. Um, I think people's picture of who God is is very much distorted by what they hear other people people say they haven't looked to God's word to who God really is the heart of knowing who God is is to look at this table this is a God who entered into suffering this is a God who carried it this is a God who died 
right? Jesus is the suffering Messiah. And, I, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times that I, I don't know how much it gets through, but it sure is the truth that God is not this distant, yeah. uh, apathetic God, but he suffered. Now, you know, some people want a God who's shiny and clean and, and untouched by all of what, what this world, all of its darkness. But Jesus, he took it. He absorbed it. He, like he, again, you, you quoted that passage, I think it's Hebrews chapter 4, that we have this great high priest, that's Jesus. He, he was tempted in every way that we are, and he suffered like we do, yet he was without sin. And I think this table, like it, there's so many deep truths in it. Uh, the imagery that Christ set up, not only is it the God, who's, the Savior who suffered what we mark in the bread and the cup, but he's the God who comes to dinner. Right? He's a God who does life with us. He's not off in some distant capital city. He's here. Yeah. Um, again, we're, we're going to leave in just one moment, but uh, is, are there any other questions? Or... Yes? What's interesting I find that Joseph and uh, Jesus was, Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Yes. But the thing is, with Joseph, his strength was, was that he had this gift of interpreting dreams. Mm. So when, they, when, when he was um, captured by the, uh, I think it was the Ishmaelites, he yes. sold to the Midianites for 20 pieces of silver. He could interpret dreams, so that gave him the hope so that he can, he can be um, exalted in the, um, the, the Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's kingdom when he was helping the captain of the guard. So I think that that gave him encouragement in, in those trials. And I think that we, we have to have that peace of mind that God is with him. Because it always says, Jason, thank you. Yeah, that's a great word. Um, I got a question as well. Um, we talked about control issues this morning, right? Like that, you know, sometimes it's an issue about like control. If Joseph had control issues, how would his story have been different? And uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, Might have been a bit more bitter. I think ultimately, uh, I'm going to zone in on one of those three control issues we had talked about, the trust issue, right? Um, and I think it does connect, Jason, to what, with what you said as well. Like if Joseph tried to take the wheel, and if Joseph tried to take the reins, I think at just about every point, uh, he would have fallen, and he would have never gotten to that place. Like, first of all, he wouldn't have been open to God's dreams. God doesn't speak to people uh, often, uh, who not in the way that he spoke to Joseph, uh, when, when they're trying to live life their own way. He doesn't speak to them like, dreams like joseph said he tries to get your attention but he doesn't speak to you like ah oh, you know like i'm finally starting to figure figure out you know god's plan and god's purpose the more we try to take control of our lives the more that we become i think out of touch with god, what god's plan and what god's purpose is for us so again it's a point as much as a question that if joseph had control issues his story would not have turned out uh But at the same time, though, too, he did take responsibility. He didn't shirk his responsibility. That's the other way that question might have been asked, that he didn't just say, oh, God, I'm going to depend on you. 
Like he worked hard for Potiphar. Yeah. He worked like diligently in that prison. He, again, controlled his attitude. Uh, he, he, he controlled stuff that he was within his power. And I think that, uh, you know, again, that could be a hard word for some of us. That sounds like, oh, well, I'm, I'm having trouble. I just need to try harder. Well, it, it's without trust in God, though, he'll carry you through that. But still, there is something. God puts, God puts uh, gifts and opportunities in our hands, right? Yeah, there's this balance between good stewardship. Hey, God's given you skills. Use them as appropriate. And the I can do it alone. This fall, I, I forget where I heard it. It's not mine. But I was at a, a message someplace where somebody was talking about how you don't come to Jesus and leave not filled up. The only people God doesn't fill up are the ones that are full of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. If you're already full, right? So if you're, if you're going through something, Christ is there. That's really what we're coming back to over and over again. Um, Micah, can I get you to pray in just one sec? Uh, this Christmas, uh, one of the gifts that I gave my boys was, and some of you will laugh because you'll remember it. Some of you will have no idea what I'm talking about because you're too young. Or you're, you're just the right age, but you're young. Uh, and it's this, uh, I, I got them, do you remember that old uh, toy, Bozo the Clown? Th- that inflatable, right? Where you just fill it up, right. and it's got like a weight at the bottom, and you punch it, and then it just keeps coming back up again, right? Now, I would have brought mine in, but ours broke because the boys just totally abused it. But... <laughs> But what, it would have been hit it or something. <laughs> but I mean, you know, but that's a that's a great picture, right? This bounce back, right? Life punches you in the face sometimes, right? But you bounce back up again with God's help. So anyway, I'm going to leave you with that weird image. Yeah, Corey's uh, final blessing yeah. of the morning. May you be Bozo the Clown. <laughs> no, that's not. I feel it at like all. it some days. No. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pray together, guys. God, you are the one who keeps picking us back up. Uh, you are the one that keeps calling us forward. And you are the one that we trust. So, Father, as we wrap up the series around the idea of coming back from life's uh, face punches, Lord, would you keep calling us towards you? Lord, may we become people who are known for stumbling madly towards you, despite life's circumstances. And in all of it, God, may you get all the credit. We ask this in your name. Amen.